stories here to tell. Feed the fire, merry meat, dare to more than dabble. All are welcome at our hearth for a little bonfire babble. Bonfire babble. Welcome to the bonfire. Exploring magic with two modern witches. I'm Corey. And I'm Detta. Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone. I feel like you should know I can hear river purring all the way over here, and it is such a yummy sound. Oh, I wonder if it's getting into the microphone. Probably not. Maybe it's low yeah. enough that it's okay. Maybe. But it's very sweet. I love it when it gets into When she's sitting on my lap during a recording, everyone, you can hear her. <laughs> I've, I've left that in a couple of times because for some people, it's very ASMR-y. Very yummy sound. Mm -hmm. I love it. I have some babble. Oh, please. or some yeah, some babble. Yeah, I beat God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> you did? Does that mean you're done with the game? Oh no! Until the next? Oh, oh okay. No, there's oh. hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of side quest content. Thank God that I didn't do. But instead of proceeding directly into the bonusy like side quest content, I started the 2018 God of War game. Instead, it's oh. wonderful. I didn't realize I had missed one, and so I played the sequel to the one I'm currently playing yeah. first, oh. which is totally fine. And I am loving it. It is so good. And my friend who understands me very well sent me a video on YouTube today comparing God of War 2 and then God of War Ragnarok because they're both kind of a God of War 2. But this is part two of the reboot. And I now understand some chronology like much better than I did before. Because I was like, when did he even go to Midgard? When did he leave Greece? When did this happen? And now I know that I didn't really miss anything and it's okay. <laughs> um, it was just in another game but it had the most beautiful ending and it made me cry like three mm. times at the end and it was just so beautifully written they're my favorite games toe to tip wow. all of them that i've played wow are the best games the ragnarok or that company the god of war franchise the god of war franchise yeah. got it because i played all of them except for the ones that you can play on like your phone mm. which summarily apparently were pretty bad <laughs> but that's not the game's fault that's the i think format's fault uh, uh, yeah yeah but uh i've now beaten all of them at one wow yeah which is a pretty big accomplishment for a casual gamer you go girl thanks yeah it's wow fun. yeah that's fucking cool i'm pretty <laughs> proud of myself i'm pretty proud of myself I wish they weren't so violent. I would totally You would hate them. I know. I know. I could maybe find a compilation of the story parts for you. Mm, I do love the stories. I wanted to play Dragon Age until I started seeing. <laughs> yeah. Big-breasted women who were half-naked. I don't understand, everyone. I don't understand why women would go into war with their belly exposed. The most tender place that a javelin could hit and tear out all your guts yeah let's leave that really open that makes sense yeah male gay sorry men i love you i love most of you <laughs> i love all of you that are listening there we go it it's you know it makes you go why but when you really think about it you know why mm -hmm. you know why i do know why which actually i think that leads us very well into our topic today. We're talking about something a little unusual today. 
It's not necessarily a witch or a magical character of any kind, but it is a historical character that I care about deeply. (laughs) And I am going to tie some magic to it and some magical practices that you can put into your practice if you want to. Mm Mm-hmm based on her inspiration. Yeah, and I'm so glad you did that because I got very, very deep in this research, everybody. <gasps> oh, me too. I... Yeah, so tell me, Corey. Yes. Why did you want to do... We are talking about Boudicca today. Now, you might know the name Boudicca. You might not. That's okay. She is a British Iron Age queen of the Iceni people. And several months ago, I saw an episode of Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates because my mom and I are obsessed with Josh Gates. We've watched like all his content on Discovery Plus. And he did an episode about Boudicca and the way that it was tied into his sort of shtick was that there was rumored to be a horde of Boudicca's like treasure and her... Wealth and coins and gems and necklaces and everything. Necklaces, yeah. So there is a group of people in England who are trying to find it. Oh, wow. And they did find a small hoard of coins, which was pretty cool. Do you know where? I don't remember where because my memory is garbage. There's a rumor going around that there's a lot that her body is actually buried at King's Station. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah, at a certain platform. Believing that hurts no one and makes me happy. It, so. makes, it hurts no one, and they, they are really trying to see if they can prove it or not. I would like to offer a content warning for this episode before yes. we start. Yes, This is a very important content warning. I am in no way going to be graphic, but I am going to relay facts and data that are deeply troubling regarding like warfare violence and physical assault and sexual violation sexual violence towards children and that is part and parcel to the story it is one of the inciting incidents of this event And I just want you to know that, like, I'm not going to be graphic, but it is included in the history of this woman's story. Yes. So if that is something that you do not have the bandwidth for today, I'm sure that Detta will probably put. Yeah. Check our program notes. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll put where it is. And I'm not going to, like, breeze over it, but I'm also not going to, like, I'm not going to sit in it for very long. We're going to move through it together. Yeah. But with that in mind, do you want to go to the library i do i feel like we haven't been there in a while we haven't let's go get cozy let's go i am pushing up my glasses (laughs) and putting my hair in a ponytail i am lighting my academic pipe there we go we are ready so normally i like to list my resources I'm not doing that today. There Deta, are so many. Detta saw the list. I sent, <laughs> I sent her the list. They're going to be in the show notes. And I encourage you to 
peruse them. Yeah. Don't do what I did, which was just go so hard in the paint, like for hours and hours and hours. Don't do that. Take it a little bit at a time. I but, did the same thing. Yeah. And I have also a lot of resources and most of them are different than yours. I love that. Yeah. That makes me happy. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of information out there. And there is a book that I will probably put in the Instagram post or something just so that you know what it is. But it's not my spark or anything. But it is definitely, I'm excited to read it. Cool. Is that the one from 1924? No, it's the new one. Oh, I don't know about it. Yeah. I, (gasps) on the episode of Expedition Unknown, Josh talked to the author. Oh, how fun. Which is why I, I was like. start watching the show. I have to read this book. Wow. <laughs> so it's on my wish list. Okay. But I have organized my library research, just so you all know what's coming, into a timeline of events. And then we're going to dive in a little bit more out at the bonfire. But that's what this is going to be. And buckle in. Yeah, and I will jump in and add little facts as we go, but my big stuff is going to be out at the bonfire. So Boudicca. Boudicca was born around 25 AD. So that's the Iron Age, if any of you are wondering. And she was born in Camulodunum, which is modern-day Colchester, which is a city in England. So she was a Briton Celt. She was born into an elite family, and at age 18, she married Prasitagus, who was the king of the Iceni, which was a tribe in modern-day East Anglia. They had two daughters who were, unfortunately, and I hate this, never named in history anywhere, which really bothers me. But here we are. Boudicca was only like the second or third woman recorded in Britain history. So yeah. oh, and that is another thing as well. If when if you go down this rabbit hole, if you want to do some research, you'll start finding links to other women who have been ignored through history. It's <laughs> it's amazing. It made me think of missing witches. Which, oh yeah. if you're not listening to that podcast, it's amazing. That makes a lot of sense. So they had these two daughters and they were like vibing in East Anglia, right? So Prasitagus was what was known as a client king of the Romans. This afforded his people certain a certain amount of peace. Basically, and- he was a client king of Rome. This is when Rome had like a huge boner for Britain. They were invading hard. And so by being a client king, they paid money to Rome... And it afforded them a certain amount of of peace in their sort of area, their region. My understanding was that he was still allowed to rule and rule his people without guards being around. Exactly. He was allowed more autonomy because he had made a deal basically with Rome. Yeah. And there's a lot of sort of speculation that Boudicca's family – was very Mm anti-Rome. That will be important later. Prasitagus died in around 60 AD. This was sudden and a bummer. This was unexpected. And he left half of his will to Rome and half of his will to his daughters. 
It is unclear why he did that. There's a number of reasons that it could be. I'm not going to speculate. I wasn't there. (laughs) But Rome didn't like this. Rome didn't like this. They didn't allow female heirs to inherit. And since technically the Iceni people were property of Mm. Rome under their perspective, um, they didn't like that. And they also felt snubbed by only receiving half of his inheritance, half of his will, because entitled. So what happened was, this is going to be the part that sucks quite a lot. So brace yourself for the next 45 seconds or so. Roman soldiers came to his palace and looted it. And they dragged Boudicca and her daughters out front. And they publicly flogged Boudicca. And a number of Roman soldiers publicly raped her daughters. Now, I did the math, and those girls would have been at the oldest, and this is being very generous with how old they could possibly be, 15. So, Boudicca, understandably enraged, raises an army, and she defeats Roman armies and civilians, we'll get into that, in three major cities. Camulodunum, which is where she was from, Londinium, which is London, and Verulamium. These were huge Roman settlements. Huge. Big. Lots of people lived there. Boudicca and her army were defeated, unfortunately, by the Roman army, led by Suetonius. I wrote in brackets, shithead. Uh, (laughs) That's the name of the general I couldn't think of earlier. There you go. Yeah, Suetonius had a huge yen for her, and he wanted to defeat her so bad to the point that his contemporaries were like, chill. (laughs) He lost a lot of people. He lost a lot of soldiers. Yeah, if the history is accurate. Yeah, and he, he, I think, and this is completely speculation and editorializing Mm -hmm. on my part, I think he was embarrassed that when he wasn't looking, this woman yep. defeated three of his cities. Lord forbid. So, because she was smarter than him and took advantage of him looking the other way. But after her army is defeated, Boudicca passes, and it is unclear whether it was from injuries from her battle or if she killed herself rather than be taken by the Romans. There is also a lot of speculation about what happened to her daughters. It is really unclear which is a bummer. That is a very, very TLDR version (laughs) of this history. Like I said, there's a lot of resources listed in our show notes. I got, I did something that I never thought I would do, which was get deeply fascinated by battle details. Oh, wow. Because that's not a thing that I'm super interested in usually. I know, but I wonder if that's because you were playing... Maybe. I don't know. know. God of War. But I definitely, I think for me, it was the personal angle of Suetonius having such a vendetta. Oh, yeah. And and Boudicca having such like a righteous vengeance moment. Oh, yeah, she did. So like I got very, very, very bogged down in the details about the different battles and when they happened and why there were no soldiers there and why there were soldiers other places. And so... What I've done is pared it down to the important relevant pieces to Boudicca so that you can go do that research on your own and I don't completely alienate three quarters of you. 
Um, that is the the life timeline of Boudicca. Awesome. Yeah. Shall we head out to the bonfire? Let's do it. I would like that. Hi. Hi. It's very toasty out here by the it bonfire. It is. It was very nice being in the library, it though. It was. I know. Those I nice cushy it. chairs. I, they're awesome. There's, oh. Yeah. River liked it, too. Yeah. Cats love libraries. Oh, I they really do. I think the smell of the books. And bookstores. Yeah. They're good God. at that. There was a bookstore in Pioneer Square I used to go to all the time mm. that had a cat, and I just loved it. Was it Elliott Bay before they no, moved up? No, it was, it was a tiny bookseller underneath one of the buildings. Wow. And it was right near where I used to live, and I just loved that bookstore. Gosh, I used to love Pioneer Square. Ugh. Yeah. Well, here we are here out we of the are. bonfire to talk about... Talk about Boudicca. Talk about her. Yeah. And I have tons to say. So Boudicca came, like I mentioned, from a pretty elite family. And it was also a very anti-Roman household. They did not like Rome. And she was trained in diplomacy as well as combat and physical battle. Like she was trained to fight. That was pretty customary for women of of distinguished households in that region, which you love to see it because I do. <laughs> they knew that she would be married to some chief somewhere or mm-hmm. some some king, right? So she should be a valuable asset to that kingdom. I think that's neat. And I love it. So she was also likely regarded as a priestess of the god of that region, goddess rather, Andraste. She was the Iceni goddess. And I know Detta's probably got a little more to say on that, so I'm going to stop there. Oh, no. That's okay. I don't have anything else. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she was also a queen, and she was also this priestess, meaning that when she was violated in such a horrible way, the people rallied behind her for, like, a lot of reasons. But to publicly brutalize their goddess, like, the vessel and conduit of their goddess was was outrageous. When her husband died, her children were still in their teens at the oldest. And I think this is really important to remember because her rage is completely completely justified. And more than that, her rage is really, really important. I think it's really important. I know that there are people much smarter than me who have said much smarter things about, like, women's rage. But I think that it is important to remember, even back then, how far we have to be pushed before we snap. And that while I don't condone like killing or violence, um, I think that she had every justification to go off the fucking handle because, because, Who knows what else she put up with before she snapped. Yeah. So while she may not be the first Britain woman to lead an army, uh, that honor goes to, at least that we know of, Cardamandua, who was the first British woman named in historical record. She dealt such damage that the estimated loss of Roman life is between 70 and 80,000 people. Now, records state that she was, like, beyond vicious. She was, uh, she offered no quarter, no mercy to anyone, including civilians. Take no prisoners. She laid absolute waste, if the history is to be believed, 
She laid absolute waste, fucking salted the earth, the places that she left. She raised those places to the ground. I don't know if you found this or not. Go this ahead. This is an okay yeah. time. One of the reasons that druids were then hunted after her was because they considered her a druid and what she did was so horrific. They She was considered a druid in Roman eyes. Yeah. And so Rome they didn't know the difference yeah. from anybody, or they made it an excuse so they could hunt the druids, which is yeah. also That's very a possible. Huge tactic. We've oh seen yeah. It. Oh, we're seeing it every we're day today. But that allowed them to say, "Oh, look, they they kill, they maim, they they make human sacrifices. Witches and druids are bad. They have they have no." Like, they're savage and they're killing blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that just makes me want to be like, remember what you did yeah. to her family? Oh, no. Remember we that? can never take responsibility for what we remember did. how gross that yeah. is? Anyway, I've been really angry at the Romans, the ancient Romans, for a few months now. So <laughs> I'm just, like, trying to get through that because it's not helpful. But what is a bummer is that the only record of her is written after her defeat. And it was authored by Tacitus and Cassius Dio. That's two different men not related. Tacitus and Cassius Dio. I may I realized I made yeah. it sound like it was Tacitus and Cassius Dio. No, they're two different men who are not brothers. Um, but they do benefit from portraying her as a savage monster uh, who was rightly defeated by golden shining Rome. So I was salty when I wrote this. I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, but Detta has a speech of hers that was written of Boudicca's that was written down by Tacitus. Yeah. In, I don't think we can read this speech legitimately without sharing that probably one of those two men wrote it. Yeah. And that they found their accounts about her in original sources that did not survive. Their writings barely survived. And I, guess they know that because i'm trying to remember the name of it i thought i'd written it down agricola referenced other writings that they couldn't find of his and then annals also does the same thing and both of those talk about Boudicca. and this is a speech that was found in one of his writings and i think cassius adapted it and made it his own as well This is Boudicca's speech before the last battle. It is not as a woman of noble ancestry, but as one of the people that I am avenging lost freedom. My scourged body, the outraged chastity of my daughters. Roman lust has gone so far that not our very persons, nor even age or virginity are left unpolluted. But heaven is on the side of the righteous vengeance. A legion which dared to fight has perished. The rest are hiding themselves in their camp or are thinking anxiously of flight. They will not sustain even the din and shout of so many thousands, much less our charges and our blows. If you weigh well, the strength of the armies and the causes of the war, you will see this is a battle you must conquer or die. This is a woman's resolve. As for the men, they may live and be slaves. 
pretty strong words. And I think it's really interesting to think that those two men who supposedly were so supportive of Rome mm-hmm. wrote this speech. Wrote it down, yeah. Yeah, because it's a powerful speech. It is. And their accounts of her like appearance mm-hmm. are, in to my mind, pretty cool and flattering. Oh, yeah. But perhaps to the Roman eye paints her as some kind of demon. Uh, this woman who was sort of strong and and stocky and had this long cascade of bright red hair. Yeah, and, see, I love that, the bright red hair. They like, compared her to Gauls. They compared her to Gauls, yeah. And, and if you don't know what that means, that's like huge, everybody. They were very large, almost. A lot of people say it's where we get the legends and the ideas of giants. Mm-hmm. And... To me, the descriptions I have read of her are incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine that to the Roman sensibility that it painted her as like this savage British demon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She almost drove Rome completely from Britain. She did. She almost beat them completely away. But unfortunately, a decisive victory ended her eradication of the colonizing invaders who had Mm. for too long enjoyed far too much comfortability in her homelands. And I fucking hate that. It bums me out. Here's what I thought. I actually wrote this down. When I was reading this, I was like, she didn't lose. Her story just happened to end in her death. Yeah. And it took a couple hundred years for them to overcome but they did rome fell rome fell for a number of reasons rome finally fell yeah and though she was defeated to that point in the english renaissance and then after the victorian era she was revived again Mm -hmm. as this symbol of power and justice for england in general and then later for women specifically specifically re suffrage there's a lot of Boudicca imagery when it comes to, like, the suffragette movement. Not unlike Medusa, her image has been used to represent specifically women, power, and vengeance. And like Medusa, that has been used to great effect by those that would vilify women and those that would lift them up. But there is a statue, actually, of Boudicca and her two daughters on a chariot in England that I have seen. You saw it. Yeah. Where is it? Uh, oh, don't ask oh, me to okay. remember that. Okay, never mind, never mind. But I have seen it. We saw it when we went with my theater group in high school, and I didn't realize the significance of it then, but I remember thinking it was a really beautiful statue. I love that kind of work so much. Yeah. One of the other things that Corey mentioned that I have written down uh, about the magic of uh, Andrasta or yeah. Andraste or Andate, which her name means victory. Or it can also mean invincible one or she who has not fallen. Yeah. Her animals were corvids, crows, rocks, the robin, the magpie, the black hound, and the hare. Oh, sure. There is a prayer that she did publicly in front of her troops before one of the battles where she prayed to Andraste. And and 
she's talking about how the Romans are the hares and the foxes, and they're trying to rule over dogs and wolves. There are articles out there about her that reference that line right there. What I find so interesting is that Andraste, one of her sacred animals is the hare. So she said this prayer and she thanked Andraste and called upon woman speaking to woman. I beg you for victory and preservation of liberty. And then they released a hare, not so that it could get hurt, so that it could run along beside them, even though they just compared the yeah. Romans to. So again, this was, we have no idea if she actually said any of this, but there's a lot of evidence that that is who she would have yeah. been praising. And those necklaces that we brought up earlier, they were, the Asini tribe were known for their metalwork. Oh yeah, beautiful stuff. Yeah, yeah, they and, exported it even like mm-hmm. it was. It was well known, beautiful. Sometimes in gold, silver, bronze, bronze, iron, and weaponry. Their weaponry was advanced for their area. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not advanced for Rome. Who not made a, war yeah. business. Yes, they did make war a business. Hmm. Thanks, Nero. Yeah, and I love that about her. And and this is what inspired me to oh by the way andraste she's often compared to the morgan hmm. obviously there are a lot of sure. similarities uh on uh yeah so righteous anger which yeah. you mentioned we're allowed to have that which is have that andraste stands against the oppressor against disease she is about sovereignty and i Love that. And I do have a theory about why he did that. I think uh, the husband, oh. whose name I won't try to pronounce. <laughs> Prasitagus. Thank you. You got it. I think he was trying to stave off what he was afraid was going to happen. And he that giving away his in, half of his, his inheritance would make them leave his family alone. Yeah. And there's a lot of theories that he didn't leave any of it to his wife because he knew her anti-Rome views Mm -hmm. and that that would be an even bigger snub and possibly give her uh, an opportunity to start something. But they started it for her. And I would love to really quickly, I feel like I would be doing you all a disservice if I didn't mention this. There are those scholars who would argue that Boudicca is a fabrication, an amalgam of concepts because of the meaning of her name and because of inscriptions elsewhere from different times that make it seem like perhaps she is an idea or like a fiction that was designed to you know, motivate and inspire and protect and whatever. I don't know that I believe that. Now, I'm not in academia. I'm not a scholar. But I think that there, I also firmly believe you cannot trust written history. (laughs) You really can't. You just can't. So any history you choose to believe uh, without like cold, hard, like, evidence like video evidence <laughs> which they totally which they had totally back then had. Uh, for sure her gopro was going at all times <laughs> but if it's written and ancient 
you have to have a kind of leap of faith to believe any of it. And I choose to believe that she existed. Now, I also choose to understand that what we get to read about her is probably embellished and has a bias and a, like, goal. Like, there's... But what was that goal? I read a lot yeah. about these two who they they subtly paint her in a beautiful light, not yeah. something that would appeal to. It's just like hidden there. Yeah, it's it's very subtly romanticized. Oh yeah, and 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 if they did give her that name, then, then look what they said. Well, they did. They, yeah, look, she was victorious over our people. Yeah, and they're is an element of like kind of like how the bible was written down way after jesus died this was written down like 60 to 70 years after Boudicca died yeah and i can't remember what i had for breakfast yesterday now memory worked different then everything had to be much more cemented in there everything was written down or passed down with oral tradition and so like you know, memory had a different staying power then, but it was written way after her death. Well, these two were, but they reference original sources. They the right. modern day scholars just can't find them, right? And so we also don't know how well they reference them. This is true, or if there's a language barrier. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, yeah, or like because stuff gets lost in translation, and it makes one wonder mm-hmm. what their intention was with writing this down i am really curious fascinated by that i'm fascinated by that because she laid if the stories are to be believed she laid waste oh yeah like she laid waste to three enormous settlements oh yeah and burned to the ground right to the ground and it's fascinating that they would write her down at all because women back then weren't really written down about. And Suetonius certainly wouldn't have wanted her memory mm-hmm. recorded because he was such a bitch. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I have a lot yeah. of feelings about Suetonius. Oh, like I said, I got dick. deep in that battle lore. Like I got deep in the historical battle details. I was looking at maps. I was like, <laughs> I was like looking at schematics. Anyway. It, I think that's great. Yeah. I love it. I think it's fascinating that by virtue of them writing it down the way they did, she later became the like symbol that she became. And they had to have known that was going to happen. I mean, they had to have. I mean, probably. And also they were writers. So yeah. like, yeah. they wanted their stuff to get read. Well, this is true. From my understanding of the scholars who have studied this, Cassius took a little bit more freedom with exaggeration of numbers and such. Oh, yeah. But- it sounds like Tacitus was pretty close to, if it's true, would it would have been accurate. And there are records that show the defeat of Londinium oh, yeah. and the other two cities. See? All that's there. Yeah. Why in the world would they attribute it to her? Yeah. Unless it's true. Unless it's mm-hmm. true. In one way or another. And yeah. maybe her name wasn't Boudicca and that mm-hmm. title that too. was given to her later. But... It's Boudicca now. Yeah, it is. And also that was 2000 and it was almost 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm like trying to do basic math. 2023 minus 60. <laughs> well, because it was 
you know, after Christ died, very closely to it after was Christ 60 died. AD. Yeah. 60 AD. Yeah. So it's, it's staying power. Yeah. Staying power on this woman. Long, long time. I want more. I know. I wish and I there, could know more. I know. And there are more people out there. There but are more women out there. That's why you should read that book. Yeah. The Boudicca book, I'll find the author when we head out to do our sparks, but it's apparently now considered the like definitive book on Boudicca. I cannot wait to read it. Which is wonderful because a lot of the history that has been explored about Boudicca has been done so by men. And that's not to say it's not valuable research, but there is a perspective there that they simply won't have. And that's okay. That's why many perspectives looking at the same thing is very important. Yes, it is. And so, yeah, I'm excited to read it. I'm excited to read I have a lot of books on my wish list right now. I know. <laughs> if it's all right, I'm going to end with Please. some suggestions for magic stuff before we head out to the Sparks. Please. I want to encourage you to take a couple of things with you. The reminder of a sacred grove, which is where Boudicca often visited to, I'd, I wouldn't even say praise, but to work with and collaborate with Andraste, because I'm sure she was phenomenally respectful, but she was a powerful woman of nobility. I don't think she was scared to share that, but she was also smart and at that time, Andraste was really prevalent in their world. So one, sacred groves outside earth or someplace inside your house that if you're not a nature person, that you can honor the wood on your floor or the metal in your house, in your kitchen, something that relates to the planet and make it sacred. The other things, I, I will mention this again, that righteous anger and calling upon gods, elements, elementals, and all of that, and sharing that anger with them at a high frequency, and then giving it to them to go do, I won't say do what they will, to enact justice. And just remember that justice doesn't always look like killing your enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it means changing their mind. And I, I'm trying really hard to keep that in mind because of the messages I've been getting. <laughs> Sovereignty. Mm -hmm. I think Boudicca's story and this goddess's story and what this goddess supports is all about sovereignty. And right now in the United States with fighting for women's rights to their own body, I think trans she might. Rights. Yeah. Oh, and that. Thank you. Yeah. And trans rights. Trans rights are human rights, everybody. They are. And you know what? Trans people have existed Forever. 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 So this is just some new bullshit going on. So sovereignty, calling on her for sovereignty and to help, to help us win, to help you win. It doesn't have to be, I know some of you aren't socially active and, and you're not into magical activism, but think about the activism for yourself. Yeah. Think about you. Think about what you want as a sovereign being. Think about what, who is, who or what is oppressing you. Sometimes it's your own mind mm. and you need to stand against that. Sometimes you need some healing and maybe you're not connecting with Bridget. So, yeah. I will stop. Those are just a couple of, of magical ideas that I really focused on while exploring Boudicca's, Boudicca's story. 
I would also suggest to that point of like self-sovereignty and mm-hmm. and healing and, and rage and do some research about deities or entities yep. that support that. I remember a couple of years ago, I had a real big capital R rage moment and I was visited and it was Lissa and she took a lot of that for me so that I didn't have to hold it in my body. Yes. And it was very, very helpful because rage is a tool that can be used to great effect, but not if it is a grenade. Not if it's a grenade and not if you keep it bottled up inside because it will hurt you. It will hurt you. It's like putting a firecracker in your hand and making a fist. Yep. It's not so good. Except that you're the fist. <laughs> yeah, which is why going out and laying on the ground or whatever you yeah. do to ground, you know, he- yoga, child's pose, yeah. whatever works for you, letting that rage flow through, letting any emotion, even joy, flow. One, it's going to help you. And two, it's going to help the universe, a.k.a. everybody else in the world. And if you think I'm bullshitting and you don't believe me, try it for a while and see what happens around you personally to yeah. other people. Also, I recommend, I learned this from my very best friend in the whole wide world who works with kiddos for a living. (laughs) If you are feeling a lot of rage in your body and it is making you feel violent in a way you don't normally feel and don't like to feel, take some ice and go throw it at your driveway. Love it. One cube at a time. Really fucking smash it down there, man. Just like chuck it because it's destructive but it is harmless mm-hmm. and it'll help you physically, like Detta said, let that feeling flow. It is a great, it is, I've used it a number of times now and it is a really effective tool. Yeah. Less expensive than plates. Less expensive than plates. Less dangerous. Less expensive than going into one of those fun rooms where you can just beat shit up with a bat. It also works for frustration and for like, you know, that really, really upsetting, like impotent sad feeling Mm -hmm. ice cube smashing great for that also it's a really great physical way to let some stuff out because it hurts no one no it doesn't it's great so i recommend that i found the author of that book oh who was it vanessa collinridge a groundbreaking biography of the true warrior queen boudica and apparently it is it is quite good so and when was it released Mm, does it say not very long ago I think just a few years ago. Oh, no. In 2006. Got it. That is so long ago. Do you know what made me feel better? Hmm. Sending up some sparks. Let's go do it. (laughs) Thank you all for indulging this thing I wanted to research. (laughs) I thank you for wanting to because I loved every minute of it. I hope you all did, too. If you're on the Discord, you might remember a few weeks ago I got on and... (laughs) was very vague posting about like sometimes you're doing research for an episode and you do some math and you get really mad (laughs) that was about this episode i'm gonna lighten things up a little bit with my spark i as we know (laughs) i'm kind of chronically online but i have found a new tiktok account that brings me so much joy it makes me laugh so hard it makes me smile it just it brings me joy and i know that it's like a totally curated view of the life of a family whatever but it's this dog it's a yellow lab dog 
named Chilaquil. Oh. And he belongs to two people, uh, one who is a very rad Mexican chick and a very cool Brazilian guy who have recently moved from Toronto back to Mexico. And Chilaquil is this precious, precious dog. And the voiceover of what, like, Chilaquil is saying is, like, so cute and funny. And it just... It's like a fun, frivolous, silly thing that is just very pleasing. And I think that it's important, especially with the way I've been feeling the last couple of weeks, to find things that just, for the sake of feeling fun and good, feel fun and good. And I especially needed that after researching for this episode. Yeah. Because I got myself some kind of fired up. So It's called balance, everyone. It's called balance. You, you have to balance. It's called balance. Look it up. <laughs> But go look up Chilaquil. It's spelled C-H-I-L-A-Q-U-I-L. Like chilaquiles, like the food. But That's one, amazing. one singular chilaquil. And it's very, very cute. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I can hardly stand it. Yeah. I'm also going to give a light one. And yet this person cracks me up. Her name is Roxy Beckoff Sky. B-E-C-O-F-S. K-Y. Zan Fran Studios. She is a jewelry artist, but not just of any jewelry. And she puts content on Instagram and probably, I don't know if she's on TikTok actually, but these are all Instagram videos. So maybe she's not. And she also has a website, www.xannefran.com. She has 50,000 15,000, sorry, 15,000.4 followers. And I shouted her, I I like, yeah, Corey's dying because it's amazing. It's amazing. I posted or, or put in our story or some of her stuff yesterday and she wrote to me. I am slain. Ah, uh, yeah. This ring, there is a ring on, it's in the new arrival section mm. and it's called the angel and devil ring stack. Yeah. I want it. She had a Medusa ring, but it was sold out. Oh, but course. I thought of oh you. I know. Oh, my gosh. She, what have you done? <laughs> she put, <laughs> What have you done? <laughs> she puts content on. What have yeah, you done? It's lovely, isn't oh, it? Oh, no. And she makes some things that Corey will be absolutely your aesthetic because they're a little bit, um, you know, like your peach tattoo. I like things that are both beautiful and kind of gross. Mm-hmm. That's like my thing. Yeah. And then just stripped out beautiful, like this whale, the little wax figures that she makes. I and got she, the little gnome necklace. I know. I'm dying. She is amazing. I need a million dollars so I can buy out this woman's store. Right. Oh, these rings. I wonder what the like size range is because I have big old sausage fingers. And so it's very difficult for me to find rings that fit. And these are gorgeous. Yeah. She's on Instagram. That's where I found her. And you should, I don't know if she does custom work or not, but she definitely does some witchy stuff. And I love her. There's a sandworm necklace. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Oh, you've ruined my life. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So that's my spark. Oh, oh. No. <laughs> oh no. Y'all have to go look. And Everybody it's all go look silver, now. which is it like is my all silver. favorite. Mm. Oh, you must. You must go. You must go. 
Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you, Corey, for this. I was very pushy about it. <sighs> yeah. Oh, no, not at all. I, I, I just, I'm so moved by her. I'm so inspired by her. And I, I love the fact that you can find magic through people who exist. Yeah. And maybe yeah. weren't necessarily practicing magic, but she might have been a priestess, which is a pretty yeah. magical thing. Oh, I think she was totally because yeah. magic was common and normal back yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. But until <sighs> next time, everybody. Be well. Act with intention. And don't forget, you are magic. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you are so inclined, follow us on our socials, which is Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Bonfire Babble Podcast. You can also follow us or join us on Patreon at Bonfire Babble Witches on Patreon and our website at bonfirebabble.com. You can also join our community on Discord by clicking the link in our link tree. If you're into snail mail, you can send us that at P.O. Box 16341, Seattle, Washington, 98116. And if you want to do that electronic thing, we're at bonfirebabblepodcast at gmail.com. Please also, if you have a moment, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps us out. It also helps other people find us. Yeah, and if you do it on Apple where you can actually write something, we will shout you out your name. Thank you again for listening. Bonfire Babble Podcast recognizes that we live and record on the traditional lands of the Duwamish tribe. We honor their past and present stewardship of the beautiful land and the life-giving energy they provide. To learn more about the tribe, go to realrentduwamish.org.